Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope you enjoy the message. Acts chapter 19, and I want to have a look at verse 1. Are you ready? And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit, whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, and that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they, and they prophesied. And I want to have a look at this, this passage and, 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 and try and build a bit of a, a message. I don't want to speak too long this morning at all, but I, I want to have a look at this and, and really talk along the idea of building an atmosphere of faith, building an atmosphere where the supernatural of God, where the things of the Spirit can work in our life in such a real way. And, you know, just because we want the things of the Spirit doesn't mean we have to get unusual or irrelevant or, or, or kind of be, you know, you kind of got cool Christians or you got, you know, the crazy revival Christians. And, and I don't want to be sort of lumped into one pile or another pile. I just want to be someone who loves God, that expands God's kingdom and has a supernatural working in my life in a real and a powerful way. And not just in church life, but in my home, in my marriage, with my kid. My kid was sick last week and, and we took him to the hospital and, uh, to, sorry, to the doctor. And, and, and they said, you, if he gets any worse in the next few hours, you've got to take him to the hospital. Just watch him. And so I, th- I th- thought to myself, I mean, we'd have given him all kinds of little helps, you know, we, we have di- our, our drugs have different names here, we, we, you know, I gave him some um, Panadol, I don't know what you have here, but it's like Advil kind of thing, and, and just a whole lot of things, and so we're trying to get him better, he's getting worse and worse and worse, and you know, the thought didn't even cross my mind, and I'm a guy that believes in miracles, I believe in the presence of God, it didn't even occur to me to go and pray for my kid, I'd done everything but that, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, are you going to get me involved in this situation, I said, Absolutely. So I took my baby boy and I walked out of, uh, out of where we were. I put my arms around him. I was holding him and he was sick. He was, he was crook, we say in Australia. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you're a miracle worker. God, you are able. And Father, I just pray right now that you would touch him. Let the power and the presence of God come on him right now in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, in a moment of time, in a split second, because we actually were at a restaurant having lunch, because if he was going to be miserable, he could either be miserable at home or at the restaurant. So at least we figured he could be miserable, we could still eat. And so we're at the restaurant. I'm telling you, in a split second, I came back inside and he had made this total recovery. He didn't want to be put down. He'd scream. We put him down. The next minute, he crawls across the restaurant grabs some other kid's iPad in the middle of a game that he was playing. The kid's won. Grabs his iPad, hits the button and ruins the kid's game. And the kid goes to his mother. I'm like, that's my boy. That's awesome. It's a miracle. Bless God. But, but you know, you look in this passage and you have got good people who have been baptized. And then Paul asks him a question. He says, he says have you received the Holy Spirit since, since you believe? You're a believer, but have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said... And the, and the true meaning of the text is not so much they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. They said, basically, they said, we didn't know that we could. And you know, I have watched a lot of Christians, and you can apply 
what, what Paul was asking and, and what he was hoping they would receive, you could apply that to so many different areas of, of our faith where we believe in things, but we don't seem to receive them in our life. And there's a difference between believing and receiving. And the difference between believing in something versus receiving something is a thing called faith. It's a thing called expectation. And, and one of the great keys to bringing an atmosphere of faith into the room is having a sense that God could do anything in a meeting. There is a huge difference. If you're a preacher or a pastor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a huge difference between preaching in a room it doesn't matter how many people are there or not there or whatever, if there is a sense of expectancy in the atmosphere, something totally different can happen than you might even expect because God, something about an expectancy that brings God into the room. It's amazing. You come to a conference. The reason God moves in this is because you're willing to line up. You're willing to wear armbands and crazy things like that and pay money to be here and, and make such an effort to be in the room. So when you finally come, there's a, there's a sense that God is about to do something so awesome in my life, I don't want to miss it. Do you realize if you actually applied that same expectation to your local church and you went to your church on a Sunday with that same, not late, but in there for praise and worship, ready to worship God, not coming in 20 minutes late, but in the house of God, ready to go, saying, we're going to have a move of God. Sometimes you are, you might be in church thinking, we need, we need a bit more oomph from up here. But do you know, sometimes up here is totally dependent and believing God that there'd be some oomph coming from out here. And, and, and when you come with expectation and faith, you open a door to God's spirit just coming and doing something supernatural in an atmosphere. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of Christian that doesn't sort of hope that God will do stuff and believe that God can do stuff. I want to be the kind of Christian that believes that God is going to do stuff. And, and, uh, and, and not just have a hope, but have faith that says, God, I know you're going to do something. I know you're going to grow my church. God, I know people are going to get saved in our ministry. And, and I know that people are going to get changed by the grace of God. I know that you're going to do something. I know in this meeting that sick people are going to be healed and, and broken people are going to be put back together. And people that don't have a relationship with Jesus are going to find God and, and be changed. You know, it's amazing what expectancy does because when you have expectancy, you start to believe, to quote an old line, you start to believe that anything could happen and that it probably will. And you know, in this room, I have an expectancy today that God's going to touch people. I have an expectancy that God is going to move in this place by His Spirit and change hearts and change lives. And so I want to have a look. I've got three little thoughts in this little message. And uh, so for the two of you taking notes, I really hope you get something out of this today. There's really three areas that I really do believe, and there's definitely more, but they're three that I just want to talk about today. Three areas that I believe can build an atmosphere of faith where God can move and do something powerful by the grace of God. I want to have a look at them. Three areas where I really do believe that we can see God do great things that, that, that depend on us, that, that, are, that are really things that you and I can do. And the first thing that we can do to create an atmosphere of faith, number one, is to be receptive. Somebody say receptive. He said have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you received? Have you received? You know, the word receive, literally, it, it, one of the commentators say that word receive is to violently seize, to, to lay a hold of with everything you have, to violently seize what God wants to do. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And you know, the minute they knew they could, Paul was able to minister and the presence of God touched them. Do you know, some of you believe in miracles. 
You've never seen one. Some of you believe that God wants to bless you and, and, and help you financially or in any area of your life, and, and you're not seeing that. There, there's a lot of things that, that I, I believe that sometimes we don't see, but we've got to get from being a people who believe in things, that God can do things, to changing our whole faith in God and not saying God might or God could if he's in a good mood. Or Let me tell you, God doesn't really get in good and bad moods. You know, if, if he's in a bad mood, he's not going to suddenly smite you because you're asking him for something. God loves you. He takes pleasure in you. He, and you know something? He's pleased when you develop faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when we get to a place where we're people of faith that believe that God wants to do something, he starts doing things that are totally supernatural. And you say, God, God, I trust you. God, I come expecting. I come knowing that you're going to do something. I come to church totally receptive. I'm receptive to the word. So when a preacher preaches something, if it needs to bring correction in my life, I'll, I'll receive it. Because I want to be receptive to what God does. When God talks to me, I want to be receptive. I want to obey. I want to listen to the Spirit of God. You know, some people, uh, some people have, um, they, 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 they believe that God can, but they don't believe that he will. There was a man with a, with a sickness and he comes to Jesus and he says, basically, he knew Jesus could, but he said, are you willing? And Jesus said, I am willing. You know, the truth is we need to have, a, have an understanding that God is not just able. Because if I sit in this room today, how many people believe that God's able to heal or God's able to do anything? You'd all go, of course he's able. But that's not the question I want to ask you today. I want to ask you, do you believe that he's willing? Do you believe it's the will of God to pour out his presence? Do you believe it's the will of God to pour out his spirit? Some of you think, you know, God can save my friend. But can I ask you a question? Do you believe it's his will to save your friend? Do you believe it's in the heart of God to get that God born again, changed, delivered, set free, whatever you want to say? I don't just want to get to a place where I believe God can do things and you sort of sit around hoping so. I want to be so full of faith that by faith we, 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 we literally grab a hold of the promises of God. You know, somebody said prayer. I don't remember who it was. But, but he's, they, they said, prayer is not laying a hold of God's reluctance or appealing to God's reluctance, but it's laying a hold of his willingness. He's a willing God. Every good and perfect thing comes from above, a certain sign of God's love. And you know, I don't want to get to a point in my walk with God where I'm so focused on God could, he might. I think you start to get a wrong perception of who God is. God is a good God. If he loves you enough to come to earth, die at Calvary, rise again from the dead that you might be saved, and deliver you from hell, why would he want you to live in hell while being on your way to heaven? It doesn't make sense. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour out his spirit upon you. God wants to change your world. You know, here's the deal. We've got to get to a place where we say, God, I trust you, and I have an expectation that you're going to do something. You know, in the Bible, in the book of Mark, Jesus, uh, you've got to realize Jesus grew up, he had brothers. I was saying to some of the leaders yesterday, you know, being Jesus' brother, that would, I reckon that would be like the worst thing in the entire world. Jesus' half-brother James, for example. Imagine being Jesus' half-brother James and, and uh, you break something in the lounge room and mum walks in, Mary walks in, doesn't even ask what happened, just starts belting James. Because, of course, Jesus didn't do it. 
he's not going to break something. Man, Jesus goes to a wedding. He goes to the, the Smith's wedding and turns water into wine. Everyone thinks, oh, that's awesome, Jesus, you're fantastic. The next week, they're at another family wedding, and, and Jesus is a bit tired, so he goes home early. And uh, they run out of wine again, and they look at James. James, what can you do? And James is like, <laughs> and nothing's happening. So he's like, I'll just see myself out, no worries. So he has to go. I reckon that would be terrible. I mean, every, I, would, I mean, not terrible, actually terrible, like terrible, funny terrible. Actually, it might be really good. But I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm only 33. But Jesus, Jesus was incredible. But the Bible says that when he came into his hometown of Nazareth, he starts preaching and he starts ministering to people and praying for people. And this blows my mind. They all start having a fight about who does he think he is? Where did he get these abilities? I mean, what, where, where does he get this wisdom from? Who does he think he is? Isn't that Joseph's kid? Isn't that the brother of Bill and Steve and Fred? And they, they start totally minimizing the presence of God on his life. And as a result, they stepped in a place where they, they had zero expectation. And zero receptivity to who he says he is and what he can do. And this is what the Bible says. This blows my mind. The Bible says that Jesus could not. Somebody say could not. I'll get funny in a minute. It's all good. He, he, he could not do any major miracles. Listen, because of their unbelief. There is something that faith does that is the conduit to get God to do stuff in your life. And when we come into an atmosphere like this, we've got to come and say, God, I expect that you're going to do something. I never want to get to a place where, where I close up my heart and, and, and my spirit to what God wants to do. I want to say this. The Bible tells us when Jesus was baptized in water, the Bible says this. The Bible says that, he, that heaven opened. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon him. Now, I want to just throw this out there. There's nowhere else in the Bible that says the heavens ever closed. I've been to so many prayer meetings where people pray, Oh, God, open heaven. I feel like God's standing there going, dude, I did that 2,000 years ago. It's not that heaven's closed, it's that you're closed. And there's so many Christians that come closed to what the Spirit of God wants to do in their life. And they say, you know, let me give you an example. I was in church one time, this is years ago, and I was in church, and I was just a a young adult attending church, and and I was sitting next to my friend. And as worship's happening, I was just sort of being a bit opinionated, thinking I knew how everything worked. And, you know, I was sort of just having my opinion, you know, uh, it's not that anointed today because apparently I know everything about the anointing in my own little 20-year-old mind at the time. So I'm just giving my synopsis of what's happening in the room and, you know, feeling like, you know, it's about a five out of ten. Don't, you, you can laugh, but you sometimes do that. You think, yeah, that message was okay today. It's all right. But, you know, I'm sitting there doing that and, and just sort of thinking, yeah, there's not much to connect with today. And I remember I turned to my friend and I was about to make some kind of remark along those lines, which is totally wrong. But I went to tell him. And as I looked at him, he's standing right next to me. I mean, I'm there, and he's there. I say to him, I've got to say what, what I was thinking. He's got his hands lifted to heaven. He has tears streaming down his face. The presence of God is coming on him. And something dawned on me at that moment that it had nothing to do with what was happening on the platform. It was about my receptivity to what God wanted to do. And you know, some of us, you go to church and you're bored in church and, and, and you're sick, you, you think that there's not a touch of God maybe in your church. But when you first went to that church, when you first found Jesus, it was probably the best church you ever went to. The sermons were the best sermons you ever heard. And you know what changed? They didn't change. Somewhere maybe you 
you just got a little ahead of yourself and, and got to a point where you thought, you know, I've seen enough now, I know enough. You know, oh, that's why I love being around new Christians because they actually believe the Bible. They believe God wants to heal. They believe that God wants to restore. They believe that God can raise the dead. They believe that God can turn impossible things around. But some of us have been saved a long time. We're like, you know, bless that young man, yes. I never want to get to that point. I want to be like a, a new Christian who's like, that's the best sermon I ever heard. Wow. For God so loved the world. Whoa! Jesus wept. Flip, did he? Wow! <laughs> well, you got some lunatic preaching and they're hopeless and you still go, whoa, that's awesome! <laughs> Not true, but it was awesome. <laughs> no, no. I never want my response to God to be a response that blocks what he wants to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you catching this? Or I don't know. If I, I just want this to get in your spirit. I want to be open. God, touch me. Some of you, when you come to the altar, you close. That's fine. But I believe when you come to the altar, you alter. I'll be down at altar court. I mean, I don't care who's preaching, I'll come. I mean, if a giraffe was preaching, as long as they had an anointing, if they had an anointing, I'd let a giraffe lay his hoof on my head. Boom, I'm in. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Stick that in a Christmas card. It'd be awesome. Second thing, expectation. Second thing. Talk about receptiveness. Second thing is responsiveness. Somebody say responsiveness. I can tell you right now, if, you're, if you think that your pastor can't preach, if that's what you think, I can give you the cure to fix that in one split second. Be responsive. I can tell you right now, you, you can be preaching. All you need is some old broad in the back row to yell out, preach it. Suddenly the preacher just gets a little bit better. I remember I was preaching in downtown New Orleans one time. I was preaching in an inner city church. I was the only white person in that room. And man, when they had church, they didn't just sing songs. They, they wounded those songs. I mean, they, they abused those songs. And man, they had church. They, they were pulling out things out of their pocket and praising God. And there they've got rhythm. I'm standing there like an awkward Australian trying to tap my leg and... I'm clapping at the wrong times. And, and they, they don't just sing a song. Just when they finish a song, someone up the back starts it again. So they're singing like some, I'll fly away, oh glory. And then someone up the back goes, I'll fly away. And then it, I'm like, where we go? On again. <laughs> this went on and on. So I get up to preach. And I am just preaching bad past the mic. I'm just doing a hopeless job. It just isn't happening. And so I'm like, God wants to touch you. Jesus loves you. Amen. Da, 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 da. And this old lady up the back, I heard her go, help him, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, thank you, I need help. I'm having a horrible time. And then some other lady goes, mm. <laughs> That's all it took. That is all it took. I went from struggle street to, mm, hallelujah. Touch three people say, God bless America. I don't know what you say. You touch whoever you like, let's just have church. So for the next 20 minutes, some guy creeps out and I start talking, I hear, I'm like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I just wanted, all I wanted to do then was just start saying things that'll make him go, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and shout, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just awesome. <laughs> then I went back to Australia, <laughs> and it was so boring. <laughs> it was like the happiest day of my life. Ooh. Anyway, I can't tell you if the message was any good, but gee, it was a lot of fun. There was something about what was in the room that drew something from a preacher. You know, I, I say to our church, we need to have an amen atmosphere in our church. 
Let me tell you about that for a minute, because some people think amen is like just a spiritual version of the term the end. Dear Lord, bless his food, the end. Just to indicate to God that we're done praying for now. <laughs> amen is not the end, it's the beginning. The word amen comes from the Greek word, amen. <laughs> I know, it's deep. <laughs> Which means so be it. Let it be done. To own, to, to raise up, to, to parent, to nurse. You know, basically, to, to foster into being. Basically, when you, when you and, and, and amen takes on different forms. Amen can be anything from like, mm-hmm, or come on, or yep, or g'day, how's it going? Whatever, whatever you want. But let me tell you, when, when you start to break that sound barrier in response to the word of God, and this is just a Dave Hall thought, I could be completely off center. But if amen says, let it be done, I can't help but feel that when I'm preaching and someone's responding, maybe something that I'm saying is connecting with what the hearer's hearing. And the minute I'm, I might say, God's a healer, you say amen, boom, let it be done. And you take that word and release it onto the inside of your life. Amen. I don't care if you yell Merry Christmas or fish and chips, just do something. Every now, some of you come to church, you started out getting pumped, now you go to church, yes, hallelujah, glory to God. You, you don't even lift both hands, you're just half masked now. Can I just clarify, I said half masked, by the way, just in case you, you missed that. the last time you shouted in church? I mean, when's the last time you got excited? When's the last time you cracked a smile? I mean, when's the last time your preacher was preaching and he said something that was revelation from God, that he waited on God to bring, and you sit there like, you're playing on your iPhone, you're playing Angry Birds, and, and, and forget Angry Birds, just shout sometimes, man. Just go, come on, preacher, come on. You're doing good. Boom, that blesses my life. I tell you, I, I love preachers. When preachers are preaching, I want to be a shouter, man. I want to say, let it be done. God, let it happen. If they talk about the blessing of God, amen, let it be done. I need it in my home. I need, I'll lay hands on myself. I'll catch myself if I have to, you know. Boom, Jesus. And maybe you might say, well, that's not my personality. And I understand that. That's fine. I mean, I went to, I was in Chicago a little while ago and I went and watched the Bulls and the Celtics play. I mean, the score was like level for the majority of the game. The last minute in that game, the Bulls got ahead by like maybe four points or whatever. Man, it became a revival meeting in there, bro. I mean, it was unbelievable. They were going mental. You had people, people that were very, yeah, yeah, fat people. And the next minute, their shirts are off and they've got a Chicago bull covering this. I guarantee you that's not their personality. I mean, you know, it's amazing. I don't understand how Christians can be like radical in one environment. They come into church and suddenly we get very serious. Why can't we enjoy and bring a shout into the house of God and, and say, God, you're able and, and give God praise and, and get excited and, and, and get involved and come on, Jesus. Hashtag hallelujah. Somebody say amen. It doesn't mean the end. It really means the beginning. The last word in the Bible is amen. And can I tell you, amen to that.
I'm getting excited. I just want to just keep, keep saying amen, but I can't think of any other ways to just say what I've already said. I've done that really, and that's done. The third, the third thing, receptive or responsive. We need to be radical. Somebody say radical. Radical is kind of a bit of an unusual word, but a radical is just somebody that believes that they can completely affect the culture around them. I want to be radical. I want to be the kind of radical that just by being saved and in my own relationship with God changes the vibe around me, you know. I, I, want, to, I want to say this. Paul and Silas were in jail. The Bible says it was at midnight, now praising God. Now, so Paul and Silas, they cast a demon out of some young sorcerer, a girl, and then the owner of the sorcerer is very upset because the sorcerer was making some good money. So he gets upset. They get thrown into prison. They get, they get beaten, man. They're not like a little bit. They, they would have been beaten from head to toe, flogged, whipped, the whole thing. And it, and it would have been, so we, we sort of just go, yeah, they were whipped. I mean, it would have been the kind of thing that if it happened in America would get the number one story as a massive act of cruelty and abuse and torture and would be unacceptable in Western society right now, what they experienced just before they went to prison. And the Bible says that when they were in prison, it was at midnight. And the Bible says that they were in stocks. And they're praising God. And you know, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I go to church, man. I've got a Bible. It's big enough to choke a goat. Very, I even have highlighters. Going to church, you know, and praise God. But if I got beaten within an inch of my life, put in prison, told I was going to die, I like to think I'm a man of faith, but... I don't know if that at midnight I'd be praising God. I reckon I'd be complaining. I'd be like, God, why'd you just doing your will? Look what happened. It's like a good Christian, because that's what we do. But not these guys. They're in stocks. They couldn't move their legs, they couldn't move their hands. They still could move their mouth. They could still praise God. While your mouth still works, you can still move mountains. When your mouth works, you can still praise God. When your mouth works, you can still pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says it was at midnight that they began to praise God. I don't know what they were singing. They could have been singing anything. I don't know what they were singing. Did they sing a psalm of David? I don't know what they did. I don't know. But they said, they said something that arrested the attention of heaven. And the Holy Spirit gets involved. And that, that, that prison has an earthquake. And the Bible says this. And a lot of people miss out on this. But the Bible says the foundations were shaken. There was an earthquake. And the chains fell off them. But they also fell off every other prisoner in the cell. You know, I find Christians get stingy sometimes with their praise. They'll, they'll be like, yeah, God. get pumped then they have a bad day and they're like I'm not tithing this week I'm just I'm mad at God and they sit at the back they give evils to the preacher the preacher doesn't notice so they move just to try you know I've just got to a point where when I come to church, praise, it's not actually just, it's not about me anymore. When I praise God, it might just be that the person sitting next to me is ready to give up. The person next to me is bound and broken and ready to throw in the towel. And maybe, just maybe, oh, just maybe, that as I praise God, 
maybe the presence that I feel when I worship him might just break the chains of the person next to me. Who am I to withhold my praise when there's need in the room? Who am I to not be radical when I come into the house of God? Who am I not to walk into the place and say, man, I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Woo! Enter his courts with praise. Boom! Let's go! I'm talking about being radical where you live to serve him. You live to change the culture around you. You live to impact the people around you. You're willing to praise God on behalf of others. Being a Christian is all about standing in the gap for others, praying for others, believing for others, living for others, and and serving others to see God do something. I want to be radical in my life.